Well, how many of you started putting your Christmas decorations up uh, the day after Thanksgiving? Okay. How many of you didn't take them down from last year? So, so there you go. Okay. Well, my wife uh, loves nativity, and she loves nativity sets. And in fact, I counted them early this morning. Uh, we have 14 uh, on display, and some of them stay up year-round. And so here, here are some pictures of some of Lynn's favorite nativity uh, sets. She leaves these up year-round to remind us that Christ has been born and that God has brought hope into the world. And this is, uh, her next one is one that I brought back from Liberia, uh, the, uh, the beautiful uh, uh, ebony wood. And then this next picture is uh, our treasured uh, nativity set because it is our first nativity set. And it is one that uh, we raised our kids with. And, and, and uh, the porcelain camels have been broken several times and uh, uh, Lynn's glued them back together. And the kids and now the grandkids get the speech. Don't knock over the camels, you know. So, but uh, but it is uh, it's what it's what Christmas is about. It's about nativity, and we begin this new sermon series today called Nativity. Now I haven't told Lynn about this particular nativity set. This is the largest nativity set uh, in the world. It's in the Czech Republic, and we don't have room for that in our house. And uh, there are almost fourteen hundred moving parts. Uh, in that nativity set. It took 30 years to build that. And Guinness's World Book of Records says it's the largest in the world. Uh, nativity. What does nativity mean? Nativity means birth. That shouldn't surprise you. But not just any birth. As Christians, we celebrate obviously the birth of Jesus Christ. And I believe that nativity, those nativity sets, those nativity scenes remind us that God has a plan for a broken world. And we need the reminder of nativity every year. And some of us need the reminder of nativity every day, that God is at work in a broken world. Because we live in a world, and increasingly so, as we become a more secularized world, these words from Job, of all places, at Advent ring clear. Job 8.13, those who forget God have no hope. Say that with me. Those who forget God have no hope. Nativity reminds us that we should not forget God's plan because it is the source of our hope. I have found in my years of ministry that the most hopeful people I know are those who put their absolute trust in God. And they believe that God is going to provide and God is going to be there and God is going to keep his promises. And the people that struggle the most with hope are those who have forgotten to trust in God, who've moved away from God for whatever reason. C.S. Lewis said it this way, and out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery, the long, terrible story of humankind trying to find something other than God which will make them happy trying to find something other than God that will give them hope. My friends, the writer of Job says those who forget God have no hope or are losing their hope. I was reading something, uh, listening actually to a message from Rick Warren, and he asked the question, what happens when a culture forgets God? 
And in this increasingly secular world we live in in America, what does it look like when a culture begins to remove God from the public square? Nativities begin to be pulled back because we don't want to offend anyone. This is what he said. When a culture forgets God, truth is minimized. Life is trivialized. Abortion is legalized. Television is vulgarized. Advertisement is sensualized. Conscience is desensitized. Education is secularized. Wealth is idolized. Races and politics are polarized. Morals are liberalized. Drugs are legitimized. Sin is glamorized. Courts are paralyzed. Christians are demonized. And God is marginalized. Sound familiar? A culture that forgets God loses hope. Perhaps nativity scenes are there to remind us not to forget that God has given us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to restore our hope, to recover our hope. I was thinking today as I was working, giving the sermon this morning earlier that, you know, we have blessings for all kinds of things. We bless this, we bless that. Perhaps we need to start blessing our nativity sets and blessing that there'll be a reminder of God's plan, a reminder of God's purpose. Those nativity sets, those, those plastic ones that go up in the yard and those wooden ones that go up are a symbol, a sign that God is still working and that God has a plan for our world. I want to talk this morning about the birth of hope that began with an announcement. But before the announcement, it began with a prophecy. One of the great things about hope is that we have a God who keeps his promises in Isaiah 7, 14, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. One of the things that gives me hope is that God is faithful to keep his word. That, those words were spoken hundreds of years before the angel appears to Mary. That God says, I'm going to do this. He doesn't say when he's going to do it. And certainly the people of Israel had to almost given up hope of him ever doing it. But then comes this announcement that we read so much during this Christmas season. You know the story of God sending the angel Gabriel to the little town of Nazareth to a virgin named Mary who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And this angel appears to Mary and says, greetings, favor woman. The Lord is with you. And Mary, it says in the text, was confused and was disturbed. You know, when God speaks into our hearts and life, it can sometimes be confusing and it certainly can be disturbing. In fact, I hope that somebody's disturbed right now because that means God is speaking. When God speaks, he, he disturbs us and, and stirs something in us. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. That gives me hope. That his kingdom will never end. The kingdoms of this world will end, but the kingdom of God will never end. And so here is our text for this morning, Luke 134 through 37. 
Mary asked a great question, how will this be? When you're, when you're feeling hopeless, you ask that question, right? How will this be? How could this happen? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I love these words. Say it with me. For no word from God will ever fail. Gives me hope that no word from God will ever fail. Now, let's confess that sometimes we confuse the words of God and give God credit sometimes for things that God didn't say that we wish God would have said, but he didn't say. But the words that are clearly from God, they will never fail. And these words written in God's word, I believe, will not fail. They are the word of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes. And so after the announcement, if you fast forward into the very next chapter of Luke, this announcement that Mary gets about hope, you get an answer. Because Mary and Joseph, after the birth, bring the child to the temple for the very first time. And the Holy Spirit reveals to this old uh, prophet named Simeon that Jesus is the answer that they've been looking for. He is the hope. Again, Luke chapter 2, Simeon speaking, Lord, I am your servant. And now I can die in peace. Because what? You have kept your promise to me. Our God keeps his promises. With my own eyes, I have seen what you have done to save your people. And foreign nations will also see this. Your mighty power is a light for all nations and will bring honor to your people, Israel. With my own eyes, I have seen what you have done to save your people. As a pastor over all these years, I have seen with my own eyes what God has done to save people. Many of you have seen with your own eyes what God has done to save people. His power is unlimited. There is no life he cannot change. This answer is an answer of hope. I believe that Christian hope is when we trust that, that God will do what God has said, that God will do what God has promised. Simeon said, I have seen what you've done. The angel said, no word of the Lord will ever fail. An announcement and an answer for hope, the birth of hope. Now, we know that if you look at history, that Jesus came into a dark and broken and weary world. There was unrest. There was oppression from the Romans. There was silence from God, 400 years of silence. Everything seemed hopeless, like God had turned his back on his people it was into this situation that Jesus entered the world amidst scandal, amidst a lack of dignity, born in a manger, born in a cradle. What seemed hopeless, hope enters in. Jesus Christ's birth brought change to the world. The world was forever changed when Jesus Christ was born. And the reality is that, that there are people in this room right now that are in seasons of darkness. You're in a place where you feel hopeless. That's the world that Jesus entered into. And he's here to enter into your hopelessness today. No matter how dark you feel your life is, Jesus Christ can bring you light. 
and they can bring you hope. Now I want to talk next about the blessings of hope. What are the blessings of hope? And one of the ways that we forget God, that the writer of Job talked about, that leads to all sorts of problems and challenges, is I believe we forget the basic doctrines of the faith. In fact, I had a lover's quarrel uh, this past week and the last couple of weeks uh, with our contemporary people because I said, you know, we've got to get back to sharing in the creeds in our contemporary services. And why do we share the creeds? Because the creeds are the foundational doctrinal statements of what we believe. And, and one of the ways we forget God is to forget the very foundations of our beliefs. Not intentional, but we just kind of get busy doing stuff and we forget the foundational doctrines. So I want to give you the blessings of hope. The first is the incarnation. The incarnation, big word, theological word, but it's a foundational statement. John 1, 1, in the beginning, the word already existed and the word was with God and the word was God in verse 14. So the word became human. The word became human. Say that with me. The word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, the incarnation, a foundational doctrine that cannot be explained scientifically, perhaps can't even be explained rationally, but God chose to enter this world as a human being. I love what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy Verse, chapter 3, verse 16, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. It's a mystery. You know, there are some things just in life that you're not going to be able to figure out. I just can't understand it completely. It's a mystery to me that Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. The incarnation is a blessing of hope because the incarnation is God's miraculous divine intervention, a miraculous divine intervention that God says, I'm coming into the world. I'm going in. I'm coming into the mess. I'm going to come and provide a way for my people who are rebellious, who are living in sin. That's shocking to people because people think of God. God's going to judge everybody. God's going to punish everybody. You know, these people are being rebellious. But no, God says, I want to enter into their mess with them. I want to show them how to walk through the mess and live a life that is glorifying to, 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 the heavenly, to, the, to God the Father. His name would be Emmanuel, God with us. You know, we live in a world where people try to become God's. We have a God who came into the world to show us what God is like. Emmanuel, incarnation. Now, woven within the incarnation and part of the, the, the original reading from Luke 1 here is, is the, uh, Mary asked the question, how can this be since I am a virgin? And one of the very foundational doctrines that we have, there's a blessing for the church, is the, is the gift of the virgin birth. That, that we have a savior that was born that was sinless. That because he was sinless, because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he could do the redemptive work necessary on a cross. And that your sins and my sins can be forgiven. Why is that important? Why is that foundational? Because every normal human being produces a sinner. 
It's just, it's just, it's, it's, the, it's the original sin problem that we have in creation. That every person born from the race of Adam is a sinner. The Bible says that all of us are sinners and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room that's not a sinner because we are infected with sin. We're born into sin. And even these precious little babies, you know, in two weeks, um, we're going to have 17 baptisms uh, that Sunday morning, two weeks. It's going to be an amazing morning, 17 baptisms. But as we walk around with those 17 babies, precious babies, <laughs> 17 babies, um, they, they are, they, they are, they, they're, they're affected by sin. And, and, and when they get to be five or seven, it's going to show up, you know, and, 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 and you're going to go, where did that come from? You know, their cousins, it was their cousin, it was Thanksgiving. You know, they're with their cousin, hanging out with their cousin, their cousins, you know, you'll blame it on the neighbors. You'll blame it on somebody. But the reality is, is that we have a sin problem. And so therefore God chose to do this thing called the incarnation and chose to have a virgin birth, a, a, where, where the Holy Spirit came upon Mary because we needed a sinless Savior. The cycle of sin needed to be broken. So when Jesus went to the cross, he was without sin. Now, in his life on the earth, he's, his 33 years, he was tempted to sin, the Bible says. He was tested. He was tried in the wilderness, tempted by the evil one to sin. But by the grace of God, by the divine nature of God, he did not sin. So in order for our sins to be forgiven, there needed to be a perfect sacrifice on the cross. And Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. Amen? And, and, and if, if you don't have that belief, then you don't have a Savior. And if you don't have a Savior, you don't have forgiveness of sins. So I want you to know that the blessing of hope comes from the incarnation and the virgin birth. I was, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes I like to do acrostics, you know. So I'm thinking, I got incarnation. I need another I word, you know. So I'm thinking, actually, I was actually having this thought in, in a deer stance of all places because I can, I can work on my sermon there. And I, and I think, how about immaculate conception? That's a word that we use a lot, you know, immaculate conception. That's an I word. I said, well, I better do a little more research on it. I remember it's been a while since seminary that I looked up immaculate conception. And I, as I did the research on it, just so you understand the difference, you know, we believe in the incarnation. Our Catholic brothers and sisters believe in the immaculate conception. And what that means is, is they believe that Mary was conceived without sin, that Mary was without sin in the womb of her mother, Anna, and she was born without sin and she had no sin in her entire life. And therefore, uh, Mary is elevated to this high position because of the immaculate conception. It has nothing to do with the virgin birth of Jesus, which I'm glad I clarified that before I use it as part of my sermon. But the point being is, is that we believe that Mary was certainly a very wonderful person. She was the um, mother of Jesus. But we do not believe she was sinless. We believe she was a human being just like us. And there was only one sinless person, and that was Jesus Christ. And he was the one then who could die on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have the hope of forgiveness. Forgiveness. So we, we go from incarnation to the virgin birth, and we know that certainly uh, following his arrest, Jesus was crucified. But our great hope comes not just from his crucifixion where he, where he was the sinless savior, but also our hope originates from the resurrection. I love what first Peter says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. Say it with me. He has given us new birth into a living hope. What? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Without eternal hope, there is no daily hope. Say that with me. Without eternal hope, there is no daily hope. Through the incarnation, a Savior was born. Through the crucifixion, our sins were washed away. And through a resurrection, we were given the gift of eternal life. Amen? What a blessing that is to know that we have the hope of eternal life. The blessing of nativity, eternal life. Without resurrection, the incarnation loses its meaning. Without the incarnation, the resurrection doesn't happen. They're both so important. A living hope. I love what 2 Thessalonians says. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave his eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work, in every good work and word. This living hope, this hope that you and I have in nativity is by the grace of God. Say amen to that. Except by the grace of God, we would have no hope. But God has chosen to show us grace and mercy through the nativity, the birth of his son, his crucifixion, his resurrection to give us eternal life. I'm giving you all the basics here. This is, this is theology class 101. But these are the, this is, if we will learn these and hold on to these, we will not forget who God is. And we won't forget then to have hope because we have a God that's bigger than everything. So here are the blessings of nativity hope that we have a God that never changes. God does not change. The world changes. It gets crazier all the time, but our God never changes. That gives me hope. When I get up in the morning and I check the news reports, the world's going crazy over here. The world's going crazy over here. My God's not going crazy because my God never changes. Amen. And then the second thing that gives me great nativity hope is our God hears us. When we pray, our God hears us. He hears our cries. He hears our calls, just like he heard Simeon. Simeon says, you heard, you heard my prayers. You, you've given me an answer. Certainly he heard Mary's prayers. And then the third thing, the nativity hope is God has mercy on us. And he takes away my sins. He takes away your sins. We're going to receive Holy Communion in a few minutes. And it's, it's a gift of mercy that, that your sins today are, can be forgiven if you trust in what God has done for you in nativity. And then the last thing of blessing, here's, the, here's one of the greatest blessings of Nativity Hope, is God calls us to be agents of hope. We are to go out from here to be agents of hope. We are to take this message of hope to the world because the world needs hope. I love this acrostic for hope. Helping others prepare for eternity. That, that's your job, is to go help others prepare for eternity. Now, at Christmas, uh, it has become our tradition here at Mount Horeb to take up an Advent offering. In the last two years, we've taken up Advent offerings that have gone to combat human trafficking, helping uh, to uh, sponsor and support Lighthouse for Life, be, being their largest uh, supporter in their ministry to combat human trafficking here in the Midlands and all over South Carolina, and also a partner in India. This year, we, we're going to continue to help, certainly help Lighthouse for Life and our partners in India, but we're going to take it to a, to, a, to a different place this year. You know, in honor of the one who was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn, in honor of the one who had no place to lay his head, we are going as a church take up an offering at Advent right now in this season to, to cover the cost of building two homes for Habitat for Humanity. 
we, we've already bought the property. We've already stepped out in faith. <laughs> we've already bought the property. And, and now we're going to build, you, you, you as a church, we as a church, are going to provide affordable housing for two families in honor of the one who had no place to lay his head, in honor of the one where there was no room in the inn. You see, most of us have more house than we need. And God has called us to help provide houses for people who don't have one. And, and I think what, what a great Advent offering for us to, to make an impact in that way as a church. It'll be right here in Lexington, within two miles of the church. We'll make an impact here in the community with sustainable, safe, sensible housing. You can give God the glory for that. You know, we just finished a sermon series called Cover the Earth. And you just prayed a minute ago, thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as is in heaven. Don't you think it's God's will that if somebody needs a house that we can come alongside them and help make that happen, them as partners with them? Uh, and, and again, I love this verse out of Revelation 21. We, 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 we claim this verse. We read this verse. I share this verse at funerals. You'll probably say, hey, make sure you read this verse at my funeral. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You know, as part of being an agent of hope, we're to wipe away tears today. We're not supposed to wait until eternity to start wiping away tears. We need to start wiping away tears today as a church. Can I get an amen to that? That's what it means to cover the earth. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to come now and not just wait for it to come. God is at work in, in, in an announcement, in the blessings of the incarnation, in the blessings of the resurrection, calling us to be agents of hope. But also, just hold on to this, one last thought, that you and I as believers have a blessed hope, a blessed hope. I love Titus chapter two. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for what? Wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a God who is going to return to establish his kingdom here on the earth. And that is our blessed, blessed hope. You know, hope I believe is an anchor. I don't know about you, but I need an anchor. In, in a world that is changing and shifting, I gotta hold on to something. And I love what Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter six, verse 19. This, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. The certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Do you need an anchor today? If you've forgotten God, let him become your anchor today. You know, I'm, I'm all about optimism. I like to be an optimistic person. I'm one of those persons who likes to see the glass half filled versus being pessimistic and the glass half empty. But I'm going to tell you this that Jesus didn't come to give us optimism. He came to give us hope. And what's the difference between optimism and hope? Optimism says it's going to be okay. It, it, everything will work out. 
it's, it's, you'll get past this. I think hope sometimes, I think optimism sometimes is, is it denies reality. It doesn't face how difficult life is. Sometimes life is just hard. Hope says life is not good. Life is not bad. Life is really bad, actually. But with God's help, I can do it. That's hope. Hope says no matter what happens to me, God is going to be with me, and God is going to get me through it. He's going to be my anchor. See, an anchor gives stability in a storm. And you may find yourself today in the middle of a storm, and you feel yourself being torn apart. Drop an anchor in the hope of God. And an anchor will help you stay where you need to be. Because, again, we live in a world where we drift away from God. We begin to forget God's presence, forget God's blessings. You forget God's goals for your life, and you drift. Throw down an anchor of hope, an anchor that will give you safety. And finally this morning, I want hope to be your confidence. When you leave here today, I want you to be confident. I want you to put your trust in this verse, 8, Romans 15, 13. I pray, I pray that God... The source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Confident hope. You want to have a great Christmas? Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Don't chase the world. Don't put your hope in Amazon. Don't, don't put your, oh, no, I, I was going to get there and I ordered it. I got to get, oh, no. You know, you can see it all happening, right? It's all unraveling because, you know, Amazon didn't come through for you. Put your, let, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. It was Mary that said to the angel, may your word to me be fulfilled. May it happen just as you said it would happen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know, as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion, I had this thought late last night. You know, we, as Christians, we, we, uh, we have an empty cross because Jesus is no longer on the cross. Amen? We have an empty cave or an empty tomb because he's no longer in the tomb. He's risen. Most nativity sets that I've seen and all my wife's nativity sets have a little baby in the cradle. I believe we need an empty cradle because Jesus needs to not be in a cradle. He needs to be in your heart, right? You need to take him with you to the world because the world needs to experience the baby Jesus. When we receive Holy Communion, we remember that Jesus gave himself for us to give us hope. Hope of forgiveness and hope for eternity. You know, Jesus said these words to his disciples before he took them in. He says, I will not partake of this bread or drink from this cup until what? Until I return to this earth to establish my kingdom. See, Advent is remembering the hope that has come, but also looking forward to the hope that is yet to come. The hope of eternity and the hope of God's kingdom. Father God, I thank you that you have given us hope in Jesus Christ. And I pray that right now for that person, that person who's feeling hopeless, that person who feels far away from you, I pray that during these next few moments that they will reach out to you, that they will 
cry out to you in their soul and say, Father God, if you're real, touch my life. I pray that person would, would confess their sins and say, Father, you know that I'm a sinner. You know I've messed up. You know I've said things I shouldn't have said. You know I've done some bad things. But, but your, word, your, your word, you promise that if I say I'm sorry and forgive me, I want to turn away from those sins, that you will forgive me and you will wash them away. I pray that person today would experience their sins being washed away and that you will plant in their soul hope, hope, a certain hope, a confident hope, an anchor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.